It's Elise here, and I'm back with episode 15, season two. I've got three awesome stories for you today. I'll be talking about a pub in Calgary, Alberta, that was once a funeral home. Next, I'll be telling you about the Galt Museum in Lethbridge, Alberta, formerly the Galt Hospital, where a very tragic and freak death occurred, and its victim is still very much present on the site. Finally, I'm bringing you the legend of the Hermitage Ruins in Hamilton, Ontario. So you know the drill. If you're listening again, thank you so much. If you're a new listener, welcome. I would like to say a huge thank you to Dennis from the Rosen Crown and a thank you to the archivists over at the Galt Museum who pointed me in the right direction to some stories about their ghost, George. This is an awesome episode. There's a lot of variety in these stories. And for the first time ever, I'll be sharing an image of a possible spirit. This will be up on the blog, so make sure to check it out and tell me what you think. What do you see? I personally got the chills when I looked at this. It looks pretty legit to me. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. The first location I'm going to talk about is the Rosen Crown Pub. I spoke with the general manager, Dennis. Dennis has worked at the pub since pretty much the beginning. He's been there about 18 years. So it was no secret once I started talking to Dennis that he loves this place, and you'd have to, to keep you for almost two decades. The history of this location is so interesting. Before it was a pub, it was a funeral home. And I think for anyone who's experienced something here, they'd probably laugh and say, yeah, of course it was a funeral home. Now, according to what Dennis knows about this location, he believed that in the early 1900s, it was originally a commercial building or warehouse, and in the early 20s, turned into a funeral home. So I did a bit of digging and found out that there have been two different funeral homes here, though it was originally known as the Davidson House. The original owners were David Davidson, I love that, and Dora Davidson, They both passed in the home and the funerals were held there as well. Now that last part isn't that strange. Um, You know, as we now know for this time, a lot of people passed away in their home and funerals and wakes were done in their own home. A family member apparently lived in the home for a period of time after, before it was occupied by two funeral homes until 1986. Park Memorial and then McInnes and Holloway. It very well could have been a warehouse or commercial building for a time, but these are the things that I had found out about it. So back to Dennis. When the home was a funeral home, McInnes and Holloway, the grounds and building, which are very large, needed a lot of maintenance. So they actually had a live-in janitor who lived in the attic on the third floor. He lived up there with his wife and his son, and Dennis says there's still wallpaper and a cast iron sink up there. This is where a lot of activity happens. He says that the center of most of the sightings are stories of a little boy. Interesting little fact about Dennis, he attended a funeral here in 83. So he said it was kind of an interesting full circle to go to a funeral and then now he works there. I did want to say a few things about Dennis before I get into his stories. Firstly, Dennis does not seem like the type to bullshit. He comes across as a very honest and analytical person. 
He said that his opinion on the paranormal has definitely changed since working here, but I don't know if he would say for sure that he's a believer or not. He says he usually approaches things in a scientific way and believes that most things that happen can be explained. But in working at the Rosencrown, he says there's a lot of things that happen where there's no explanation. Now, the accounts and experiences from a skeptic are not any more or less believable to me than if they come from a believer. But I think that to other skeptics, it usually holds more merit if they hear someone they know is a skeptic telling them something they cannot explain. So I hope that makes sense. So let's get right into the stories from Dennis. One day, Dennis was notified that a couple in the restaurant wanted to speak to the manager. Now, I'm sure, especially from personally working in a restaurant before, he was probably gearing up to hear some kind of complaint. Well, it was a man and woman dining together, and the man said, hey, can we speak privately? So already this was a little bit weird, um, but they went off to the side, and the man said, is this place haunted? Dennis said, yeah, I mean, it used to be a funeral home. The man proceeded to tell him, that his wife had just gotten a phone call. No caller ID. She answered and heard a little boy saying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. He specifically said it three times. His wife described the voice as sounding echoey, like like a child in a hallway. Dennis said, Well, could it have been one of your kids? But the man assured him they didn't have any children and no children that would have been calling. So check, please. (laughs) So everyone has that inner intuition. So they obviously felt like there was something otherworldly, something just wrong with this phone call, not just a wrong number. Another great story is that one night, a local radio DJ was at the pub for a big group birthday party. His wife was taking photos on her phone all night of everybody there, and they were having a great time. They got home that night and climbed into bed, and they were looking over the photos and chatting about the night. Strangely, in the middle of all the pictures were two that did not belong. First, they were both black and white. So how did that happen? Second, the people in the photos were not in the pub that night. The first photo was of two children standing in the bar area. The next image was an old man with a dog standing in the bar area. So these are two images of people and an animal that would have easily been noticed. You would have noticed two children and most certainly a dog in the pub. So that was very strange. They continued to swipe and the photos after were back to normal. They'd go back and... And they were still there, sticking out like a sore thumb. They decided to call it a night and look more into it in the morning. Very strange. That night, and this is so wild, the phone caught fire and was destroyed. That is absolutely insane. I cannot believe that. And Dennis said that this man, this radio DJ, talks about this all the time about this crazy experience that they had. Ghost hunters and paranormal groups have come through the pub many times before 
and quite often equipment does not work at all or will have technical issues on the third floor. So we saw this um, season one when I talked about the Prince House as well and, and even other places that's pretty common for technical issues and for equipment not to work. Things will often happen in peripheral. Dennis remembers a time after closing, sitting in the bar, talking with the bartender, and seeing someone walk down the hall in his peripheral view. He asked the bartender if someone was here. No, the bartender said, just the two of us. I locked the doors. Dennis turned back to their conversation only to see a person walk down the hall again. He went to check, sure that he'd seen something, and sure enough, no one was there. The doors were indeed locked. He said that it's pretty common to hear doors opening and closing and things banging. Things will fly off the shelves even sometimes. And lights will flicker. After 18 years, Dennis seems pretty used to it all. I asked him if he's ever felt scared here and he said no. He's just accepted the fact that they're here and they were here before him. Now Dennis's stories are not over. There is much more. So this story is from years ago. It's about two friends, one from Calgary, one from London. When the woman from Calgary went to visit her friend in London, they visited the Rosencrown pub there. They took a photo in front of the pub to mark their great day. A few years later, the friend from London came to Canada for a visit, and the pair decided it would be kind of fun to go to the Rosencrown and have a pint and then recreate their picture. So then they could have the same photos, but in both places. Now, this was before digital cameras, so they had someone take a photo, and when the film was developed, they quickly saw they were not alone in this picture. The woman from Calgary actually brought it into the pub to show Dennis, which he thought was really cool. That's great. This is really neat. And the woman said, you can keep it. It really freaked them out, and actually neither of them wanted to keep the photo. So Dennis still has this photo. And it's actually up on the Rosencrown website, and he did send it to me, and it's, it's crazy. To me, it looks like a little boy holding something. So make sure you check that out on the blog and let me know what you think. I'm really curious to know. Dennis says there's many businesses across the street, and they've gotten to know each other quite well. They'll text Dennis for reservations and often have Christmas parties and other gatherings there. One day, some employees from one of the businesses texted him and said, well, what was happening in the attic last night? Dennis replied, nothing was happening. (laughs) She said she and other employees working that night had seen lights going on and off, and they saw what looked like a little boy looking out the window. She asked if he was sure no one was up there, and he said, absolutely, there are only two keys, and there was no way anyone, and especially a little boy, would have been up there. Now, another thing that happens quite frequently is Dennis said that a lot of people who had their loved one's funerals their years earlier will actually come into the pub and they come to feel close to their loved ones. So he said that a woman came in one day and was sitting with her eyes closed. He had gone over just to make sure that everything was okay. And she said, everything's fine. I'm just visiting with my mom. So I find that really fascinating. And, and he even said, Hey, you know what, if it makes people feel better, great. So that's really interesting. 
Now, the last strange story that Dennis shared with me was of a regular who'd been coming in for years. He's a retired police officer, and as Dennis put it, he's very reliable. He came in one day and then back later that night. He asked Dennis what was happening that day. They have like a photo shoot or something going on. He said that he had seen a woman at a table at the end of the bar. There was a nice white tablecloth on it. She was in a long white dress with a bouffant type hairstyle. Dennis wasn't aware of anything like that, so he checked with management and they said, yeah, he told us about that, but we didn't have anything like that going on. Dennis headed back and he heard him telling some of the other regulars. They were laughing and saying, ah, you're crazy. But he was getting really upset. So Dennis took him to the side and he said that he was really disturbed about this. He was adamant. He knew what he had seen. And Dennis told him, listen, just because others didn't see it or don't believe you doesn't mean it isn't true. So I got the sense that Dennis believed that he saw something. So that's an amazing location, isn't it? I love it. And living in Alberta, I'm not too far from the Rosen Crown, so I'm definitely going to check this place out. The Rosen Crown is open for business. You can head there for a pint. They have delicious food. I'll have some links to their website, social media, and their hours up on the website. So if you go, just keep your eyes peeled for a glimpse of the past. You never know. You might see the little boy. Maybe you'll see this lady. Dennis said that sometimes they will have haunted pub crawls come through and other events. So keep a lookout on their website and their social media for those things as well. And again, if you visit, please let me know. The next location I'm going to talk about is the Galt Museum in Lethbridge. This story begins with the humble and beautiful hospital called Sir Alexander Galt Hospital. It really was like a really neat, beautiful looking place. So make sure you check out the blog to see a picture of that. It was built in 1891 and its purpose was to serve coal miners and other employees from the railway company. Lethbridge was just a small, new community at that time, and it was nice to have a new hospital. In 1910, due to the rising needs for more beds, a new brick building was added as an extension. It served the community and its surrounding areas for the next 45 years until the municipal hospital opened and the Galt and its school of nursing moved to the new building. By this time, the old wing was not in use, and I believe it's not even standing anymore. I believe it was demolished. But the brick building of the Galt Hospital was put to new use, providing long-term care to patients as well as rehabilitation services. Eventually, the building would be given over to the Lethbridge Health Unit, who uses the main floor, and the second floor and basement became the Galt Museum. So, of course, there are some great stories to come from this location Sounds of children laughing and chattering is reportedly quite common. This occurs mainly on the upper levels of the museum, which was once a nursery and a pediatrics ward. It's now home to administrative offices. There's a story of a man who was working late, and as he left the museum, he described an overwhelming urge to look back. When he did, he saw a little girl in the window of the room he had just left, and she was waving at him. There are some names that I've seen floating around out there about two children in particular named Sarah and Alexander. Nothing's known about them except for the fact that they're usually seen waving 
out the one window to people when the museum is closed and the lights are out. In an article from the Lethbridge News, uh, now from 2017, uh, which I'll have up on the blog, there was a little story about a woman who worked in the offices and didn't believe in ghosts. She had heard stories of the spirits said to haunt the building, and the children especially on her floor. One day she noticed in the mornings, her computer screen always seemed to have little fingerprints all over it. She said she eventually accused another employee of trying to freak her out. But the other employee emphatically denied it and said, well, why would I do that? She seemed to be satisfied that she wasn't being pranked, but had to accept the fact then that the little fingerprints that kept appearing on her screen every day just might be from something unexplained. Now, the most infamous spirit that haunts the Galt is a man named George Bailey. This is such a tragic and sad story. Just such a freak accident happened. George Bailey was a prominent McGrath farmer. He was taken up to the Galt for an appendectomy in 1933. As he was being wheeled on a portable hospital bed to the operating room, everything was in routine. It said that George was a little groggy with medication in preparation for his surgery. The bed was wheeled to the elevator, and as the bed was half on, there was a technical malfunction. The elevator rose and caught the front wheels of the bed in the doors. The patient was also caught in the doors and then dangled above the elevator shaft. He dangled briefly and then fell 15 feet to the basement floor below. He landed on his head. And it must have happened so quickly, and the staff around were horrified, obviously. I feel terrible for the people that were pushing him there and and working around there to have witnessed that. They ran down to the basement, and much to their amazement, George Bailey was not deceased. He was up, and he was shuffling around, I'm sure dazed, I'm sure confused, There were reports that he was even talking and kind of laughing about the incident. However, when he was brought back to his room, however, he was brought back to his room and his condition worsened. And he ended up passing away from his injuries at 9.10 on February 1933. So with the sudden nature of this accident, it appears that George has stuck around and is primarily thought to reside in the basement. There have been reports of people seeing him in the basement and even hearing him say hello. Shuffling is also a very commonly heard down there, and blasts of cold air with no source have been felt in the basement as well as throughout the entire building, really. So if you find yourself in Lethbridge, make sure to check out the Galt Museum. The last story I'm going to tell you about is the tragic love story of the Heritage Ruins in Hamilton, Ontario. The Hermitage Ruins, or simply known as the Hermitage, is actually located in the historic town of Ancaster, which is now part of Hamilton. I would label this location as a local gem, and certainly local legend runs deep in this town and especially in the Hermitage grounds. Supposedly just walking up to the ruins, people will describe feeling a heaviness, and even a dread for some people. There are also reports and rumors that animals will stay away from the path and the ruins. There seems to be a bit of a dispute about how many houses were actually built on the grounds, but 
From what I've been able to research, I believe there were two home locations. The original home was built by Reverend George Sheed. He was actually the first resident Presbyterian minister in the town. He bought the property in 1830 and built a home for himself. After Sheed's death in 1832, an English man named Otto Ives bought the property in 1833. Otto Ives had fallen in love with a Greek woman named Magdalene. They arrived at the Hermitage with their two sons, Edward, who was nine, and William, who was two years old. They also brought Magdalene's niece, 18-year-old Angelica Diamante. Ives had a coachman by the name of William Black. Angelica and William supposedly fell in love, and the young couple are believed to have started an affair. But for obvious reasons, they had to keep it a secret. For William was of lower social standing, it wouldn't have been a match seen as ideal for the family. William worked up his courage and decided to speak to Ives and ask him for Angelica's hand in marriage, to which he was emphatically denied. William was completely heartbroken, and that night, knowing he couldn't go on with his life without her, it's believed that William hung himself in the barn. The next morning, his body was found by Ives. At this time, suicide was a mortal sin, and one could not be buried in a churchyard. So legend goes that Ives then took William down and buried him at the crossroads near the hermitage. The two roads are known as Lover's Lane and Sulphur Springs. And supposedly, at that very spot where the two split off, William Black lay for all eternity, rope and all. The claims from this location in particular is a heaviness, and people claim to hear a soft moaning when passing this spot and even in a vehicle. It's described as sounding like a man sobbing. Another claim is that William will rise from his grave and walk to the house carrying his rope, or he'll walk to the area where the barn once stood. Sometimes people will just see a dark figure standing amongst the ruins. Some say that it's only during a full moon that you will catch the glimpse of William Black. On a website called whatwhenhow.com, there's a great article about the Hermitage, and I'll link it in the blog. In it, they say that a founding member of Haunted Hamilton says that he once saw the silhouette of a man and woman walking arm in arm toward the trees before vanishing. He believes that the two were William Black and Angelica. So the next owners to the site were a family by the name of Leith. George Leith bought the land in 1855 and was actually the second son of a Scottish baronet. But being the second son, he was not privy to any titles, only to a pension with which he was sent to Canada to be able to build and establish a family home. It was here that the second house was built and was really something to see. The outbuildings were apparently numerous and the foundations can still be seen around the property. By 1861, there were 13 people living in the home, servants and all. Leith farmed the land and appeared to be rather successful at it. He portioned the land for family members, and the land became a source of pride for the Leiths, as after Mr. and Mrs. Leith passed away in 1887 and 1900, their daughter Alma lived at the mansion. There ended up being a couple fires in the building, and particularly one really bad one, in October of 1934. Alma Lauder ended up camping on the grounds, refusing to leave her family home. Even as it lay in ruins, she remained there steadfast, not leaving. 
Eventually, a small cabin was built inside of the ruins where Alma lived until the end of her life in 1942. The Hermitage is a historical site, and the town did actually restore the ruins a few years ago. So make sure you, again, check out the blog so you can see the picture of what it looks like now. Um, They've almost made it just look like it's the outer walls of the home. So some of the other sightings that were talked about in the whatwhenhow.com article are the site of glowing corpses sinking into the grounds. So that would be unsettling. That would be terrifying. Another sighting is of a woman walking past the second floor windows on a floor that no longer exists. Some even claim to look and see that the mansion is completely back to its former glory. This location sounds super cool, and there are ghost walks that happen quite frequently, it seems. So I will link some on my website, and if you're in the area and you want to check it out, definitely take a walk over there. Sounds really cool. This brings me to the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I feel like we covered a lot of ground in this episode. Um, Again, a big thank you to Dennis at the Rose and Crown in Calgary, and thank you to the team over at the Galt Museum in Lethbridge. If you visit any of these places, please let them know where you heard about it. Don't forget to check out the blog so you can see photos from these stories and especially that ghost photo from the Rose and Crown. I really want to know what you think of it. I will have links to each location's websites, social media, and really any information you might need if you want to visit. Please make sure that you check out all of that on my website, realscarypodcast.ca. You can email me at realscarypodcast.com. Please make sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at realscarypodcast. Also, I would love it if you would hit that subscribe button and that like button on whichever platform you listen on. Please feel free to leave me a comment or a rating, and you can even put a rating up on Facebook if you so desire. I would love to hear your comments, and it all just helps me to continue making this show and to make it even better for you. Until next time, this is your friendly neighborhood host, Elise.